Warning. The Outsider's Edge contains strong opinions, unconventional views, and contrarian stances. Listen, if you dare. Hey, yo! A.K.A. Ray Cash, and I am here with a special edition of The Outsider's Edge. We've been telling you we had something special for you. We've been telling you we were going to hit you with something y'all hadn't seen in a, ever, if not a long time. So, first, before I give you the details, let me introduce my brethren, my boy Carl, my boy Kyle. What's happening, guys? Not much. Um, completely unprepared, so I'm ready to do this. Let's go. Normal Carl, basically. I I got in from All In late last night, and I'm mildly prepared. Yeah, typical typical outsider's edge. I'm the one that's fully prepared. Kyle's in the middle, and Carl, as always, just wakes up out of bed and puts on his headphones. But get ready. We also have good friends, family of the show, not friends of the show, family of the show. We got the Scots with us. We got Ricky and Clive in the building. What's happening, guys? Good afternoon, <laughs> How y'all doing, man? Doing good, doing good yourself. It, it, it's excellent. It's always good to be uh, amongst friends. It's always good to have all of us together. But we have something special for you. It's not just your normal, panel, your normal show. panel show. We uh, are going to give you a special mid-year award show. We have concocted uh, several awards to hand out, uh, and yes, even though uh, our shows are, sh- are mainly WWE, these are awards for all of wrestling. We have indie awards, we have New Japan awards. It's, it's not limited just to the WWE. Um, and since it's such a packed show, since it is two shows combining, we're going to get you half on the edge, and you're going to get the other half on Ricky and Clive. So you got to listen to everything. So, uh, gentlemen, are y'all ready to start? Yes. Yeah, sure. sure. We're going to try to blaze through some of these because uh, all five of us like to talk. So, yeah, we're going to try to get through as fast as we can. But uh, let's start off with uh, something fairly simple. We're going to start off with the raw moment of the year. I'm going to start in the order of the way I see you guys on my Skype. So I'm going to start at the top. Mr. Morris. The raw moment right. of the year. All right, so I almost gave it to uh, Roman for taking the title from Suplex City, but my moment of the year so far is the debut of Ronda Rousey. Um, okay. Her match she or, brings, just deb- or the first No, match? her debut the first time she came on television. The star power that she brings, like just being on the company, she is the biggest star that they have right now in terms of mainstream full-time star. Indeed. Uh, Brian, what you got, man? I would go for Seth's performance, Seth Rollins' performance in the gauntlet match in February, Ooh, a couple a of weeks one. before the Elimination Chamber. That was a very, that set the stage for him having the Monday Night Rollins, especially the first half of the year that he had. And it was just one of the best matches that Raw's had, I would say, in WWE for a long time anyway. So I would give my vote to that gauntlet match overall, but especially Seth's performance throughout. Very rarely can you see one singular performance change the absolute trajectory of a, of a performer. I felt mm-hmm. like Rollins was always going to be a top guy, but that changed his trajectory, that performance. Uh, Carl, what you got, man? Raw moment of the year. Uh, so I'm I, for the sake of being different, because I was actually going to say Seth as well. But for for the sake of being different, uh, I will do the return of Drew McIntyre. Uh, I really, really love that, and I think he's going to be a. I mean, he's already. I mean, there he's inserted right now into the main event, essentially in the main event scene at least. And I think eventually we're going to get that Roman McIntyre feud that I think a lot of people want to see. Uh, now that we finally have a full time champ, 
Uh, so I, I, I love seeing Drew back because I think it was a long time coming. It just didn't work out originally, you know. Uh, so for me, that would probably, I, like I said, I would have gone with Seth, but I, I will go with that for a, for a close second, I guess. Even though uh, Kyle is, is, is not the biggest Drew McIntyre fan, I think all four of us here, all five of us, if you include me, can can admit that Drew has brought a different intensity to the Raw brand since he's been back. It, things feel different when he's on screen with, with Dolph. Sure. Uh, yeah. Rick, sure. what you got, brother? I went with the return of Dean Ambrose. Ooh. Um, I think, first of all, it opened the door for Ambrose and Seth Rollins to continue teaming up. It obviously opened the door for the Shield reunion. And again, open the door for a potential Shield triple threat again, whether it be at WrestleMania or not. Um, and the final where we get might get to relive the arguably the best feud of the last sort of five six years or so. Um, and Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins, I felt like his return just opens up so many different doors, making so many different directions. And the fact that he's one of the most over guys in the company as well so for me i thought that was a big big moment so i am going to backdoor off of what you said and i mean you guys know me so the raw moment of the year is the shield reunion but that but it's but it's not just in the context of that particular reunion but it's the night after roman vanquished the beast and brought the title back home this this great match with finn this big moment with Braun and then the shield out of nowhere. That is the best moment of the year to me on that brand. As it encapsulates everything that's good about that brand. Those three guys together, Roman and Finn, Roman and Braun, the belt being on a full timer. I loved all of it. But I think it's interesting that of the five of us, four of us picked a return. <laughs> that should tell you something about Raw. Yeah. <laughs> the interesting part is when new, <laughs> new blood comes in. Um, so SmackDown, let's do the same thing. I'm going to go the reverse way. I'm going to start with Rick first. Uh, Daniel Bryan returning. I don't I like think, um, say that. Yeah, I don't, I was trying, maybe trying to come up with something different, but for me, that is the biggest, not just SmackDown moment, but probably the biggest moment in wrestling this year. Um, I don't think I need to go into too much detail in, in terms of why we feel it was such a big moment. Uh, it opens up so many potential quote-unquote dream matches and dream feuds. And also the fact that no one ever thought he was going to wrestle again in WWE. Um, and it comes as a complete surprise to me. So, like I say, for me, that was the standout moment and it was a kind of a no-brainer for me. So I'm going to be different. Do any of us have anything different than Daniel Bryan? I do. I do. You do too, Brian? Okay, well, okay, my bad then. Let's go to Carl first, then Brian, it's all yours. Okay, so I'm here's the thing. Like, I like the Daniel Bryan moment is great. So I'm not trying to hate on the moment, but I'm trying to think of more in terms of like pushing pushing like a WWE story forward. Like Daniel Bryan's moment was more like, I'm back, you know? Yeah, but and now we're gonna insert him. His, but he got he got his ass yeah, beat by no one's in everything right afterwards so it was right, an that, angle too. that happened after so that's why i'm not thinking the daniel bryan speech that was a good moment all around i'm not hating on the speech so i just want to be different because i don't even watch smackdown that much guys i really don't like care for smackdown right now and i could have done something with the miz but changed my mind i'm gonna go with the night uh the carmella working everyone when she was having her promo with charlotte when everyone was telling her, she was talking about how she couldn't do it. Like everyone was saying, I, I can, I'm just a, I'm not as good as Becky. I'm not one of the four horsewomen. I'm not this, I'm not that or whatever. And she basically just turned the whole crowd on her instantly. Cause we all thought she was being sincere for mm. a second. And then immediately she went right into the same thing. She kind of did when she won money in the bank last year. I don't care. I'm a diva. I'm this, I'm that and the other, whatever. Uh, so for, I love a good promo. So She's one of my top promos of the promo. I don't, I don't think that's an award because I haven't really looked at the list that well. But, you know, uh, she uh, she's one of the better promos in the company, in my opinion. And I think that was the A promo for her and of SmackDown, really, and other than outside of The Miz and, like, everything he says. So <clears throat> I'll be different. That's very different because I don't even think that was Carmelo's best promo. But, I, I, hey, man, it's all you, dog. <laughs> Brian. 
So who do you have that's different than Dan- the obvious answer of Daniel Bryan's return? Is this an award show opinion? Is this an opinion show or is this a do what I say do you, show? Do you want to host? You can host. <laughs> say it. You're telling me that's the obvious answer. I don't think it is. I, I'm against the return. And I Good. even know that that's the biggest moment of the year. Hey, rest What is the show about? <laughs> I'm so mad at you right now. You sound like an indie fan. Go ahead, Brian. Oh, uh, I would. This does still involve Daniel Bryan, and it's going to be the the video packet, the three part video package that they had oh, okay. hyping up the Miz versus Daniel Bryan, separated into first of all the NXT version one, second there's stuff going on in 2010 as well when they were fighting over the US title, and then talking smack segments. Now. What I really liked about it was see all these WWE Network documentaries where they have the talking heads talking about old rivalries and stuff, but it's all, it's like shoot interviews. Well, they gave this kayfabe story, that talking head feel, and it made it come across real. And it was just the music that they had playing it separated into three different parts of the show. That really hyped that match for me. And it was probably one of the best production things that, Smackdown have done in a long, long time, and it got me really hyped for that match. So, hats off to whoever thought of doing that. It's definitely a feud worthy of having something that, dare I say, grandiose of a promo <laughs> video for it. It's been going on for the better part of 10 years, mm-hmm. legitimately. But, uh, Kyle, tell Carl why he's wrong. I mean, the moment of the year is Daniel Bryan returning. Like, that's just, that's the answer. Um, I'll be different, though, and give you my sentimental moment of the year. Okay. Uh, Daniel Bryan's return is the moment of the year for SmackDown, but my sentimental moment of the year is the Usos finally appearing on the WrestleMania card proper. Yeah, that's real. I love that you brought that up. Like, I, I know how the match went, and, like, I'll get to my feelings on that when we get into best and worst tag teams. And um, I got some fire to spit on that whole situation. But um, Jimmy and Jay worked so hard for so long as one of the best tag teams, even when tag team wrestling wasn't shit on WWE. Completely reinvented their characters with their heel gimmick and doing that beat poet style promo and just proving that they are one of the best tag teams in the history of that company. And they finally got their first WrestleMania match this year. And it was terrible. I must say, it, it went, was. And what happened? It they was. got beaten six it minutes. It was. <laughs> it was awful. But they finally did it. And that, in and of itself, was my sentimental moment of the year. That's a great moment. because. No, and then here in a minute, you got to pick your feel-good moment of the year. So let's just keep this in mind when we're going through. Okay, we're using Daniel Bryan right now. We might be using him more than once. Or the Usos oh, no, again. I'm not. I have a different feel-good moment. Me I promise. Too. I'm done with Daniel. He he got his moment. To, to be fair, though, to be yeah, fair, I have been one of the biggest vocal uh, detractors of Daniel Bryan's return of any of us on the internet. Listen to any podcast you can listen to. I don't know if anybody's been more adamant about that than me. However, he came back. He's held. He's cleared. It's his right. His his is his choice. For him to get that call for what that meant to him and what that meant to so many people, what it meant to that show, I cannot deny that nothing bigger happened on that show in 2018 than that night when he came out there and he said, follow your dreams. Like, I told my I told my kid that story. You know what I'm saying? Thank you, Carl, for being so... so, so. <laughs> Thank you for being so mature. Asshole. Okay. Sorry. I'm sorry. So, uh, we've done the big two, but I think we need to talk about what I think is arguably the best brand of WWE right now in general. Oh, it's not arguably. It is the best brand in WWE. I'm trying to be diplomatic here, but yes, it is. The NXT moment of the year, we're going to go the other way around. We're going to start with Brian. Okay. Now, this was a hard pick because there have just been so many. So many match of the year contenders on TV alone, never mind um, part of the takeovers. A quick honourable mention to Nikki Cross's meltdown and her interrogation this week, where she was basically saying to Regal, 
I know who did it, I know who did it, and was just chuckling away. But the Rick, the any oh, I gave it away there a wee bit. NXT moment of the year was when Dream was saying to Ricochet, anything you can do, I can do better. And Ricochet says, Oh, is that fucking right? And just somersaults over the over the ropes. For me, this story wasn't just about flippy shit. It was the fact that flippy shit was what he could do better than Dream. And just the the gop, the gopping the gaping face of the Dream. The shock in his face as Ricochet somersaulted and landing on his feet. That was a oh, jaw hit the floor moment. Excellent stuff. Really got me hyped for that match they had. Yeah, basically he was like, look, you, you think you're better than me? You want the spotlight? I do that shit. Mm-hmm. Jim was like, oh my god. Alright. <laughs> Kyle, what you got, brother? Um, I went with the first Gargano and Ciampa match. Yeah, After... This is the one and, uh, in New Orleans. Yes, the one in New Orleans after Ciampa came back and just the quality of the story they had told up to that point of Ciampa destroying DIY and coming back and being super jealous of Johnny and then just kicking Johnny's ass. Um, That was great. That was great. Rick? So, um, I was going to go with the Tommaso Ciampa Gargano first match where they both sat down in the middle of the ring and kind of recreated the moment from the Oh yeah um, Cruiserweight from Classic. The, yes, Cruiserweight Classic. But I'm going I don't know if this is a little bit off the radar, but I'm gonna go Tommaso Ciampa winning the NXT title. <laughs> oh, yeah. Best heel in wrestling. The yeah, best that, heel that's in wrestling. It. He's not a heel in the face there. I mean Johnny Johnny's a heel in that feud. <clears throat> um, yeah. No, that's why the the best heel in wrestling, the best the best heel in the company. Um, like I said, it just felt right. Um, and like I say, it's just it's allowed his character to to develop a more sinister side and more. Just I felt he needed it. Um, and also what helped with it helped with it was a nice little wrinkle again into the feud with Gargano with having a title on the line. Um, at the last takeover, so. For me, that's my NXT moment of year. Well, we know Carl's going to say something Ciampa-esque, so <laughs> It's the same thing. Uh, it's Ciampa winning the title. I, the reason, kind of, you said everything that I would normally say. I just want to add one little snippet about it. It shows to me how not tone-deaf NXT is in comparison to their partners upstairs, SmackDown and Raw. And that they know when to strike, it seems like, at the right moments, almost all the time. And, like, WWE, like, just a perfect example, Roman Reigns, if they're going to put the belt on him, should have done it a million fucking years ago. We've been Like, we've been waiting on Brock to lose the belt for so long. But with, with Champa, it just happened, like, literally. At, it's like the most – he's at the, the peak of his game right now, at the top of his game. Uh, so, yeah, I couldn't – I mean – I could have tried to have been different on this one because someone said Champa won the title first, but I'm not going to. It's, it's Champa. He's won the title. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give a cop out answer. I can give you one single solitary moment, but my a- actual answer is the entirety of NXT Takeover New Orleans. That's the greatest show I've ever watched from top to bottom. The six man ladder match for the North American Championship, Shayna and Ember in a amazingly story driven match. The Undisputed Era versus Authors of Pain versus Pete Dunne and Roddy, where Roddy finally turns after all the months of the speculation and recruitment. And recruitment. Um, Andrade finally beating, uh, I'm, not, I'm sorry, not Andrade, uh, Alistair Black finally beating Andrade and getting the title, getting the demon off his back, and then Ciampa Gargano ending the way it did. That's that. You can't say a card is perfect, but that was the perfect card. Perfectly built, perfectly wrestled, perfect on rewatch. If I had to pick one moment, Tommaso Ciampa pulling off Johnny Gargano's wedding ring, spitting on it and throwing it in the crowd is the most <laughs> savage thing I've ever seen done. But, yeah. I, so, I, again, I'm finding these consensuses about us because we're all similar in our thinking but different to an extent. But we all basically said, all right, Ciampa's got to be involved in some of this, except for Brian, whose moment actually might be the best moment. Um, so now we get to get interesting because 
only one of us watches New Japan on a regular basis. So, speaking of that, I'm going to save you for last. Rick. That's fine, because I want to go first in our next category. Okay. that's That works for me. Ricky, what you got, man? New Japan moment of the year, brother. Um, Like I say, only one of us watch it on a weekly basis, so I might be copping out here, but I went with Kenny Omega winning the title. Um, just like you say, on the face of it, it just um, it concludes like a a two year journey or eighteen months or so, however long it was, or was it twelve months um, where he was trying to wrestle that thing from Okada, um, unsuccessful a couple of times, and then ultimately wins it. And and the match they had was a great, great match. And let's like say I can't go into too much detail because, like we say, we don't talk about, it, we don't, I don't watch it on a weekly basis. Um, I watch it now and then, but to me that just kind of felt like a, a big thing. But like a breakthrough, absolutely. Um, girl, I remember crying. Uh, Carl. Uh, okay, I also don't watch New Japan much, but I'm gonna give it to the Firing Squad beating the bejesus out of the Elite, and really the whole group fucking up the G1 as well. Like they <laughs> literally, like they have done nothing but give zero fucks for the last however many months now, and I think it's great. I think it's the perfect shot in the arm, even though everybody loves new Japan and it's the most amazing thing ever for someone who doesn't really care about it that much. It, this is like the perfect shot in the arm to get me to want to watch it. Cause it's like, Oh yeah, they're doing something kind of different. It's not the same shit over and over and over again that they normally kind of do. They focus on the strong style or whatever. These guys are like, fuck strong style. We're here to make money. We're here to fuck people up. So firing squad. I, I appreciate that. The new president, I don't know his name was top of my head. So Kyle, if you do, if you want to say his name, I don't remember what it is. Oh, I can't pronounce his last name. But he's he's he is a he is not a Jap- Japanese person. Um, but I appreciate that he seems to want to keep the base in the style they have, but still kind of cater a little more to those who aren't into that specific style. Firing Squad is something that can get a guy like me and Carl, who appreciate what they do but don't watch it, interested. Uh, Brian, what you got, brother? There was a this was a very specific moment for me that I enjoyed the most from my limited, admittedly limited time seeing New Japan in the match between Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho. Kenny Omega had Jericho up for the one winged angel and Jericho managed to reverse it, like sort of go through Omega's legs and reverse it into the balls of Jericho. And this was done lightning fast and it reminded me, it reassured me actually that Jericho does still have it because I did have my doubts. He's carrying that dad bod about everywhere with him. I just thought, mm, there's something just a bit slow about you, but not in that match. He did not look slow one bit. So that specific reversal of the one-winged angel, that I popped big time for that moment. By the way, the whole Kenny Omega-Chris Jericho feud could have actually been the answer here. That's oh, not mine. That was amazing. Yeah, and just Jericho reinventing himself, getting Kenny to actually do the one thing he's never done, which is brawl. That could have been it. I don't think that's mine. That's not mine, and I don't think that's Kyle's. Kyle and I think similarly, so I think I know what his is. All right. Mine is um, when Jericho attacked Tetsuya Naito. Oh. Um, Because they expertly... Yeah, and they expertly had pulled it off because... Jericho had his match with Kenny Omega and then he just kind of disappeared um, from New Japan and they waited long enough that people were questioning whether or not the Kenny match was just a one-off thing that he wanted to do so he could do Wrestle Kingdom. Um, So then to have him just with the Bushi mask on beat the dog shit out of Tetsuya Naito then demask and it's like oh all right so that's where we're going next um after he had surprise attacked him the night after wrestle kingdom um, dash, yeah yeah but when i remember when he jumped up from the crowd that night when he beat naito up like the crowd was terrified it wasn't oh, a yeah. oh this is a great angle it's like oh my god where's the cops well, and then when they had the actual match between the two of them, it was the same type of thing. Jericho jump zoned Naito like. Oh, it's a 27 minute squash match. Absolutely. Yeah. Just spent the whole match beating the shit out of him. 
scaring the hell out of the Japanese crowd. So you had a you, that's a great that's a great that's a great pick. All four of you have great picks, but Kyle, I'm disappointed because I thought we would have had the same pick, which is we're the golden lovers of podcasting. Oh, Koda the return of the golden Kenny lovers. Getting back together, embracing in the ring, and the golden confetti popping out. Come on, right after Kenny turns on him. I'm not Kenny. Cody turns on him. That like we're talking moments. That was a great here. moment. That's that a, a tremendous moment. moment. And talking about stuff in the making. That was what five, seven years in the making almost. Easily. Yeah, like that moment to get. And think about how diff- how much different. That's the that's the moment that gave Kenny the strength to beat Okada. That's the moment that gave Kota the strength to damn near win the G1. Like, that moment put those two back on the trajectory of their lives and careers that they had fallen off of because they wasn't in each other's lives, kayfabe-wise. Um, I mean, you're right. That's a great moment. Yeah, I mean, you know, but with the Golden Lovers, bro, you just can't get your Golden Lovers. Right? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm disappointed. <laughs> um, okay, so you said you want to go first on Indie Moment of the Year. You just went to the biggest indie show ever. I have a feeling we're going to have some correlations here. I mean, All In is obviously the biggest indie moment of the year. Like, I I don't see how you can argue that it's anything else. They The fact from selling out ten, the 10,000-seat arena in less than an hour to getting talent from all these different promotions that are um, within the American independent scene and then even the guy getting Kenny and Okada from New Japan um, – bringing all those people there. Having been in the crowd, I can say the sound mixing for the pay-per-view did not do justice to how electric it was in that building. Um, The crowd was there for absolutely all of it. The pre-show started at 5 o'clock, and from 5 o'clock till 11 o'clock or whatever time it ended, um, everybody was 100% invested in the entire show. People didn't want to leave to go to the bathroom because they were afraid they were going to miss part of the next match. Um, I, I just don't see how you could argue anything other than all in was the indie moment of the year. Well, you're going to get four men who's about to argue differently. <laughs> and I'm going to start with the biggest arguer of, of all of us, brother Irvin. You're muted. Wah, wah. You're muted. Carl, you're muted. Carl, we can't hear you. Okay, I'm going to argue. I'm not going to argue, Kyle, actually. Um, He's right. All In is the ending moment of the year. But I would like to be a little bit more specific to All In, specific part of All In. Because for me, it's Cody winning the NWA World's Championship. Um, What a great feel-good moment that was. Yeah, (laughs) we haven't gotten to the feel-good moment yet, though. So right now... This is the indie moment of the year for me because I think, and more so, we're gonna. I'm gonna be talking a lot about Cody Rhodes probably on um, as we go forward in, in this. So I don't want to get too far into it. But if you have seen all the work Cody's put in over the last year, or so um, I was in New Orleans for Supercard of Honor when him and Kenny had their match. Cody, he's not the greatest wrestler in the world. I mean, we know this. He's like a three, three and a half star match kind of guy. But he is to me. Just he's like a master storyteller, and I, and I think this happened again Saturday. And I really, I mean, we all know the history with his, his dad and everything, winning the championship. But that crowd, man, they they were here for Cody Rhodes winning the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Cody period. Rhodes, by the way, who's the biggest heel in the Indies and was a babyface, like of all babyfaces that night. If Nick Aldis would have won that match, he would have been booed out of that building. Yeah, I, oh people yeah, would have been throwing shit. They said as much in the commentary. If you if you gone back and if you watched it, I didn't go to the show on the commentary. They said if if Nick Aldis walks away with the title, they're gonna boo him out of the building. He doesn't care. They were playing the story, but Cody winning the NWA World Championship is like a piece of All In. So All All In is the moment, and then I will say Cody is part of that moment. Ricky, what you got, man? That was my exact answer. <laughs> All right. Cody winning Cody the end of the world title. I, I don't have oh, too much else to add on. Yeah. Other than, other than it, it, for me, going into All In, it, it was, it was, I don't want to say it was a foregone conclusion that he was going to win the title, but it was just, 
was more or less, and I think despite that kind of feeling, you you still saw the reaction and how how much the crowd loved it, that moment. So, like I say, is that I, I I don't think there is a bigger moment. It just felt huge. Um, like I say, is everything to do with his, his father, everything in the past, and how much this that title means to him. So. That's my my answer. I I can't think of anything else if I'm honest. And also, can I add that I think it was a nice touch that Cody brought his nightmare family with him, and Aldis brought his business partners with him. Yeah. The difference between love and business, or love and money, and of course, God Daddy Page got to come in and hit the best diamond cutter in the business. And the <laughs> crowd went ham. Yeah. And like. Of- we knew the blade job was coming. Anybody who's watched wrestling yeah. knew the second that Cody went under the table, yeah. this was a blade job spot. Well, they botched. They botched it, by the way. They it did, and I blame and I blame Davari for that because I think that what was supposed to happen is when Paige came to check on him, Davari was supposed to be there like immediately to shove Paige and set up that diamond cutter spot. Right. But instead, what they ended up doing is they end up showing Cody's face, and he's not bloody. Yeah. And then, a minute later, all of a sudden, he is bloody. Yeah. Um, but when Paige hit that diamond cutter, everybody went ape shit. <laughs> My big pop for Cody's nightmare family, though, is Pharaoh. Because, I mean, you want to talk over. About, I mean, you want to talk about being a good boy at NXT, or NXT at All In. Um, the best person at All In was obviously Pharaoh Rhodes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he killed it. No, absolutely. <laughs> Brian, what you got, brother? You gonna you gonna make it unanimous? No, no. Uh, my and personal indie moment of the year was Shug's house party. <laughs> I'm quite gutted that you didn't pick it with me, Ricky. But I was going to, but I didn't think any of the listeners would understand what we're talking about. <laughs> screw the well, no, okay, not screw the listeners. But you no, know what I'm, I mean. I'm gonna assume this is a British indie thing. Scottish. Yeah. ICW. Okay. So uh, it was ICW's, their kind of version of SummerSlam. We went to night two of their two-night weekender, Ricky and I, some family members and friends. Probably because we were in attendance, it was the indie moment of the year for me, a bit like yourself, Kyle. Uh, oh, absolutely. Really good atmosphere. We were yards from the ring, caught up in some of the action at some points as well. A lot of big indie names like Angelico, Jeff Cobb, Walter. Um James Storm, who had an absolutely wild sort of... It wasn't exactly a street fight, but it got pretty violent. James Storm yeah, is... You had, you had the, the thumbtack spot as well. Uh-huh. Dear match. James Storm, Bobby Roode needs you. <laughs> if you're listening. Bobby Roode needs you. Beer <laughs> money would be money for Vince McMahon. He's a monster heel right now, James Storm, in ICW anyway. So Bobby was... Roode's best work is as a heel. This is <laughs> for everyone. Well, Bring just, back beer money. Just makes you think sometimes, doesn't it? But the, the main event as well, where you had DCT win the title, his story has been quite similar to Bailey's ascension to become Mrs. NXT back in the day, where she, was, she wasn't taken seriously. Just a sort of playful gimmick. And she rose to the top, took things seriously, and um, became the champ. This was a similar story with DCT, who is um, real life shoot married to Viper as well. So Mr. and Mrs. Viper are the women's and men's champ of ICW. So it was a real good time to, for that as well. So sorry to not pick all in, but I did enjoy my ICW. I mean, the highlight, the highlight of that night... The highlight of that night was clearly Session Moth. Oh, yes. She, she was excellent to see her life. That's, that's Carl Reddit. Was there as well. Jeff Jarrett, yep. a guitar shot, which, by the way, those guitar shots in real life, they sound agonising. So, yeah. uh, great stuff all night. Session, session Moth, though, lovely lady. Session Moth is uh, Carl's uh, wrestling side chick. Because he's married to Jordan Grace. I thought Grace. Jordan Grace. I was gonna say I thought <laughs> Jordan, Jordan Grace. Grace was <laughs> that, that's his. That's his main woman. But Session okay. Session Moth is very comfortable being the side chick. Apparently. <laughs> I know. That's why you think I cho- chose it that way. Come on. <laughs> so, I think all of us, even Brian, would be remiss if we didn't all acknowledge that All In is the biggest thing that's probably ever happened in indie wrestling. But that's not gonna be my answer because I know all you guys would say that. 
My answer is one I, I guarantee you not one of you guys thought of. The answer for me is Matt Riddle wrestling 11 matches in three nights at WrestleMania weekend. What he did for indie wrestling, what he did for these companies who, no no, no offense to them because they're good companies, but wouldn't have been able to build a house if it wasn't for Matt wrestling a match on their card. GCW Bloodsport was the first show of the weekend, and it was built around him. Loki jumped out, and Suzuki stepped in, and that card was awesome from what I've read and heard because of Matt Riddle. All the matches he did, all the Evolve shows, what he did for Evolve, what he did for all his other companies, giving them their helping, like anchoring their biggest houses of the year. That is a hell of a moment. And mo- most importantly, he didn't just show up and do 11 matches. He wrestled 11 barn burner classic ass matches. You know, and that, like, that match with Suzuki was amazing. Yeah, they didn't I, even I have ropes. That yeah. match was fucking insane. I haven't seen it, but I am. I plan on watching I it. I heard it's great. So yeah, that like to me, like that's the type of guy that makes you appreciate a an individual, and what he's willing to do for the business, for the good of everybody. Um, so I feel like we're at a, we're at a middle point here where we've gone through all the companies, and our specific uh, moments per brand or company now i feel like we're going to get a little more verbose here because things are going to take a bit of a turn and we're going to traditional moments if you will so uh right now guys we're going to move into our feel good moment of the year and i want to start with brian brian is the most yeah he's the most prepared of the five of us tonight I just want to, I'd like you to define feel good. Do you mean makes you feel warm inside or do you mean, wow, that was amazing? Whatever you decide, whatever you define it as, my brother. Okay. Well, it's no secret that I am a massive Pete Dunmark. I have been since I first laid eyes on him in the UK tournament at the start of 2017. Mm-hmm. So the, the British strong, strong style versus must. What are they called? Undisputed Era. Undisputed on Era. Night one of the recent UK tournament, but it was a six-man tag. Dunn, Bate, and Seven, they cleared the ring uh, at one point in the match, and they all did their poses, sort of muscling, posing, biceps and stuff, mm-hmm. and the Royal Albert Hall, the roof came off that historic building. Yeah. I've never seen a reaction like that. from. It was like a home crowd, a home turf kind of deal. That yeah. was definitely a match of territorial pissings as it were just really good seeing those young upstarts clear the ring uh, hard cam was shaking just oh goosebump stuff for me that one again it could be because I'm a Pete Dunmark a bias there but I'll remember that time for a I'll remember that moment for a long long time it's a great moment it's a great match everything about that was awesome crazy uh, match yeah man uh, let's go let's go with Ricky Ricky what you got brother Feel good moment of the year. It's, it's um, simple. Brock is not losing a title. <laughs> <laughs> well, before you go any further, can you give me the line? I need the line. Fuck Brock. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, like, what made what made it better? I don't want to say better because it almost sounds like it was planned and they knew what they were doing, and maybe they did and. I don't want it to sound like I enjoyed it, but the moment the Brock Lesnar and DC thing happened in the UFC, I I think I text I was messaging you around the very next morning saying he's holding his title until at least that fight, and you say I think he'll hold it until WrestleMania. Yeah. At that point, I think I just accepted that this was going to happen, and I never thought he would drop it. Um. You kind of hope in the back of your mind he always was going to drop it at SummerSlam, which he did. Um, but the moment it was one, two, three, it was I was overcome with joy. Um, I've said so many times I don't Brock Lesnar like the businessman or business guy who, who um, is a genius, but I was the moment Suplex City became a thing, I was done with Brock. Um, so, like I say, for me, it was a, for a long period of time, it looked like he was going to hold the title for another nine months or so. And the moment he lost it, like I say, overcome with emotion, unbelievably happy. And at this point, it wasn't even anything to do with who won the title. It was just 
get the title off him and now we can actually have a proper Raw main event scene. Um, and if we never see Brock again, then so be it. You know, um, I don't need to see him on my screen again. Um, you will. Oh, I, I hope the next time I see him will be at the DC fight where he's lying on the floor unconscious. Oh, well, that'll be the next time we see him on television. But one thing I disagree with, and it's, I think is important to note, is it did matter who beat him. I know, I think I was at the point, like, I think from KFA, I agree, but I was at the point where I was just like, I couldn't care less if it was Roman or Broad or Lashley, it could be anyone. I, it was just a case of, for me, I was at the point where I just kind of needed a title off him. But yeah. from a KFA, KFA point of view, it, like I say, whoever it was, they were going to get this massive rub. But like I say, for me personally, you were just at the point where it was just enough's enough now. Um, yeah. Can you just get the title off my, like I say, the attraction was gone a couple of years ago. No, I look, I think we all agree. I'm not as big a Brock hater as you are. <laughs> you, you and Rick, you and Clive have had legendary shows this year. <laughs> Y'all had a straight show, basically, that should have been titled Fuck Brock. Um, oh, I should have been, <laughs> missed out there. I'm saying, like, I, th- I you think, know, I think the only one um, that I know that hates Brock as much as we do is probably Carl. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I, pretty I, much you're right. Okay, Carl, since you hate Brock as much as Ricky does, who, what was your feel good moment of the year? Well, it has nothing to do with Brock. Um, feel good moment of the year for me is Paige being the GM of SmackDown. Okay. Uh, I think after, after everything that she kind of had to go through. Uh, and being told that she's young, she's what, 24, 25 years old, being told that she's not going to be able to wrestle anymore, you know, and everybody was kind of like, well, that kind of sucks because she worked hard to get back and all this, whatever. And just her giving the opportunity and not only taking the, getting the opportunity, but taking it and kind of running with it. And everyone loves her as GM. She's made some questionable decisions or whatever, but I, I'm happy for her because it, it does suck when like your dream is to do this thing, just like Daniel Bryan, y'all talked about earlier. When your dream is to do this thing, and you've been doing it since you were a kid, basically. And it's snatched away from you. At least she didn't get left out in the cold. At least she's still able to have an on-screen presence and matter in the grand scheme thing. So that that would be my moment. Get a paycheck, too. That's important. No doubt. So I started laughing there because uh, me and Brian had this conversation on the train home today. And I, I honestly thought you were going to say my feel-good moment of the year was Paige retiring. Oh my god! Oh, that—that's savage. That's a little too savage for Carl. Uh, yeah, I'm not that terrible. <laughs> well, I can guarantee you, Kyle's isn't gonna say that. That's his feel-good moment of the year. Oh no, Kyle, Kyle doesn't look amused with what I just said, though. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm incredibly amused by what you just said. I'm just not. I have a very obnoxious laugh, so I try to keep my laughs to a minimum when we're recording. Um. <laughs> No, my feel-good moment of the year is the Women's Royal Rumble. That, well, hold on, stop. That's mine, too. Great pick. <laughs> Golden Lovers, man. See, Damn. I told you I'd get you there. I was hoping. Uh, we should have been, like, three in a row, but, you know. Yeah, no. Um, no, for me, it's the Women's Royal Rumble. Um, people can say what they want about the announcement and blah, 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 but a match delivered. It was a good mix of, just like the Men's Royal Rumble, it was a good mix of bringing in legends, but not too many. Um, I think the right person won the Women's Royal Rumble. Asuka versus Charlotte was, you know, great way to go. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. The Women's Royal Rumble, just that was the moment that made me feel the best. All In was great, but for me, the feel-good moment of the year was the Women's Royal Rumble. And I want to add this. We convince ourselves that they're that we truly live in a equal war- world and if you if you're in the situation in the spaces that people like and this is no offense to you carl or to you brian but if you're in the spaces that people like me and kyle and ricky are where we're not we're different from the status quo you know that very very fervently so in wrestling where women have been treated as nothing but objects for the better part of the entirety of the business for them to get the final thing that they needed to get, the final thing that they could attain to make them equal, and not only for them to get it, but to be able to look back and give some love to the ones before who didn't have the opportunity, and to main event the show, 
And then once the right woman wins, you main event after that with the biggest signing of the company's history. Everything about the, it's just it's I have daughters and it just gives me goosebumps to now know <laughs> that I remember when I when I was trying to get my, my daughter to watch my oldest daughter to watch wrestling and she wouldn't watch it like she was watching with me just because I was I was there. She was there, but she wouldn't get interested in it because she didn't think girls wrestled. And then she saw girls wrestle, and she was like, Daddy, women wrestle? Baby, yes. And now we're going to a WWE show in two weeks on the floor, and she's been talking about it literally from the moment I told her. And I owe moments like that to moments like that where women's World Rumble. So, yes, feel-good moment of the year, absolutely. It, 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 just from a, from a parent standpoint, it gets me misty-eyed to know that my daughter, who has said... I think wrestling would be cool. Actually, can attain the same things that I would be able to attain if I wrestled, and that really gives me hope. So I'm really sorry to be all mushy and shit because we're finna get real disgusting and disgraceful. But <laughs> yeah, so I, I I don't want to spoil this sort of this beautiful moment, but um, I think Clive can kind of relate to myself, yourself, and Kyle. He's a redhead after all. Uh, well, no, that's all the more reason he can't relate because it means he has no soul. Remember, ginger's oh, have no soul. Good point. But and, and and this might be really stereotypical of me to say, but is a redhead in Scotland very different, or or a lot of Scots redheaded? I don't know. It's actually quite the stereotype, really. Irish okay. are more redheaded than Scots these days. There you go. Good point. Yeah. And we don't walk about in kilts either. I know that much. I mean, you no. don't, but that doesn't mean other people don't. <laughs> we saw what you be wearing these days, brother. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, a kilt could be a step up from some of them outfits, man. <laughs> All right. So so we've had a lot of fun, but these last two are, are probably our worst two, two uh, categories of the night. So uh, I'm going to throw it out there. Who wants to start? With I'll start. I'll... Moment of the year? Oh, well, Damn okay. It. Yeah, yeah. Carl, go ahead. Go ahead, Carl. The disgraceful moment of the year, brother. Who you got? Disgraceful moment of the year. The return of Daniel Bryan. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. That's that's my boy. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Uh, I'm gonna keep kayfabe alive for these last two awards. Okay, so well, for this award at least, the most disgraceful moment of the year is that dastardly heel Braun Strowman throwing Kevin Owens <laughs> off steel cages, off ladders. In and no one just wanted to be his friend, man. In porta potties. Jesus, I already I forgot about that. Yeah, destroying his car. Of a porta potty. Destroying his car. I'm yeah. in the car. Braun yeah. Strowman is the he's the meanest guy in wrestling, and everyone <laughs> thinks he's a good guy somehow. And they're mad because he got turned turned heel. He was already heel, but yeah, it's Braun Strowman doing all the shitty things, most notably throwing him off the cage uh, to the to the announce table. I can't remember the pay-per-view now, but, you know, that Extreme, one. extreme Rules. No, well, sorry, Extreme Rules sometimes also just has singles matches, so it's hard for me to remember. I understand. I understand. <clears throat> yes, but and, and made poor Kevin Owens quit. Exactly. Poor Kevin. I miss Kevin Owens already. Uh, you said you wanted to go too, uh, Kyle. Go ahead, brother. Discretion All right, I mean, mine's a little, mine's a little more not in kayfabe. It's just disgraceful that it made it to the television. The Lashley sisters. <laughs> Everything about Word. that was disgusting. Word. And not the good kind of disgusting. Yeah. The who the fuck let this on television kind of disgusting. I might have picked that had I thought about it, but it, it had been erased from my mind <laughs> so Definitely. Much. Definitely. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I mean, like, just rooted in so many terrible stereotypes. Yeah, man. Yeah. That, it. And you know what? I'm Sami Zayn, man. Hats off to you if you're religious with me, like me. God bless you. But man, like he did everything he could to not make that be shit. He tried. He tried. So I think I know you said for Clive to go. Um, okay, I have a right. feeling we we might have picked the same thing here. So have at it. What happened to the revival in Raw 25? Man, that's a, that's a Caleb answer, bro. Poor no, I don't like it. <laughs> well, and I mean, you know, when it happened, people kept trying to say, oh, that wasn't a burial, that wasn't a burial. Look where the fuck the revival is now. 
Exactly. But wait, hold on. Let me be the contrarian. That was the best they had been in months before. That uh, (laughs) that squash was the best thing they had done in five months. So I mean, that was. are about to win the tag titles. I don't know, like, what's the, the tag problem titles here? are the worst tag team division in the yeah. history of tag team wrestling. <laughs> but it'd be the worst tag team division regardless, whether they got buried on Raw twenty five or not. It's still a terrible tag team yeah. division. No, I've, I've, but is that really is that really your answer, Rick? Yep. Oh, all right, all right, okay. Yep. Hey, Brian, are you, do you concur? Oh, that was awful, but. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa spat, he gobbed, he <laughs> coughed up a loogie onto another man's fucking band of union with his soulmate. That is like shockingly horrific what that man did. That's something, see at the end of a really horrible horror movie where the good, the good guy gets their head chopped off and the baddie wins. Well, that's nothing compared to a trampa spitting on another man's wedding ring. I have a request. Can I change my feel good moment of the year to Tommaso Ciampa's taking out the wedding ring and spitting it and throwing it in the crowd? <laughs> just because just Brian thinks it's disgraceful. <laughs> I watched that match with my 12 year old daughter, and she likes the violence that Gargano, obviously, it's cartoon violence, right? But. Yeah. When Gargano spat, when Champa spat in that ring, she turned round and she was horrified. A twelve-year-old girl, she's not supposed to see things like that. Well, okay, but had she watched All In with you the other night, she would have seen six dicks. Hey, wow. hey, hey! So, I mean, what do would you not rather insult see? the dick druids of famous dick wrestler Joey Ryan? How <laughs> dare you, sir? I apologize. The crowd was all here for those dicks. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did you not hear the rest in penis chant? I, I did. It was. It was. I got a chuckle out of that. That was pretty funny. Um, hey, I. You know, if you're keeping the kayfabe, I guess yeah. Champa throwing. Yeah, I understand. Um, my moment. Again, if I can be different, is so okay. You guys know me. Again, I'm a pretty transparent wrestling fan. The fans chanting for the clock. Oh at the yes. Seth and Dolph match yeah that was i could have yep. used fan chanting and fan hijacking in general but i didn't want to be labeled as the guy who sticks up for roman all the time so i used the one instance in which it was audibly bad for everybody but you beg for different things you beg for your guys to be put in the main event you beg for your guys to be pushed to a certain level you beg for your guys to be champion and you and you get two guys you've been begging to see in a moment, you've been begging to have the men, and you care about the clock more than the matches going on in the ring. That's disgraceful. Can I just add? Pretty fucked. From a non-kayfabe thing, one of the more disgraceful things this year has been the growing toxicity of fans on in arenas or social media. It's it's getting quite ugly these days. So that's been quite hard to watch online. And it is, in a true sense of the word, it's lacking grace. It is disgraceful. Not only that, you're absolutely right. That's the real answer. I think we all can agree with that. And this isn't, I don't think I'm I'm, I'm taking a shot at all in here, Kyle, because I'm not. I think it was tremendous and I loved it. But it's funny to me that a lot of the same people who are spitting that vitriol at, that Brian's talking about were saying when all in came out, well, guys, give all in the chance. Don't be shitting on all in because it's a different, like you can't have it both ways, bro. Yeah, you can. If you don't like it, you don't like it. Um. Okay. So we have one more, right? Yep. Yep. All right. So this one, I think we're gonna have some interesting answers for this one. I'm gonna start with Ricky first. Uh, but the what were you thinking? Moment of the year. The real answer is what Ricky just sent us on WhatsApp. What he wore <laughs> the other day to work. That's the real answer. But those of you listening can't see that. I so, can confirm that Ricky was not channeling his Joy Ryan on WhatsApp just to confirm guys, okay? <laughs> no, yeah, we didn't get that far. We're still in the Velveteen Dream range. We're not Joy Ryan yet. I don't think we'll ever be there. I can't exactly walk into a, into my work with um, a, an outfit of the shape of a dick. Um, <laughs> but 
Um, I, I was actually trying to find, before we move on, I was trying to find the conversation me and Brian had when Champa spat on the ring, but I can't find it because um, I think we were both kind of pretty disgusted by it. But anyway, um, what were you thinking? John Cena Undertaker. Oh, that's a good answer. I, I and and Brian will tell you. Brian will tell you. Undertaker can have as many matches as he wants. Can come back as many times as he wants. I'm here for it. But from a kayfabe point of view, we were kind of led to believe his career was over. But even that, like that entire segment, took about thirty-five minutes or so. Um, it was just unnecessary. Uh, like I said, more than anything, it was because even though it was never officially said, but on commentary, it was always alluded to um, leaving leaving the hat and his jacket and stuff in the ring all kind of signified that that was the end of his career. Only for them to give us a match that we wanted about 10 years ago. Um, it was just... It was Can you really was call totally, that a match? Oh, yeah, a, a segment. Yeah, a segment. Yeah. Um, you know, so that to me it was just completely unnecessary. Like at the time, I think I say is at the time I liked it just purely because it was Undertaker, but there was absolutely no need for it. Like I say, for more than purely because we were told, not so much told verbally, but like I say, we were we were led to believe that he had retired. Um, the only the only good thing about it was. Uh, like I says, me and Brian, we kind of had a bit of a a joke about it all. John Cena's desperation for a few weeks. Um, the and goal. Then, yes, the goal. And then we had Cena jump in the barricade and run and sprinting to the back, which everyone kind of had a joke at. But, you know, it was a moment that, I, you know, looking back on it, I didn't need to see. That's, a, that's actually a really good answer that I hadn't thought about. That's a good-ass answer. Brian? What you got? I think this was this year, but I'm going to pick it anyway. I'm sure it was. Um, Hopefully. The what were they thinking? And the they I'm referring to is whoever was in charge of this particular commercial. Now, I'm, if if my colleagues would like to look at their Skype for this picture, <laughs> uh, and I'll, so here's a visual for you, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> it's page, it was, yeah. <laughs> Page here. <laughs> so what were they thinking? So fucked up. <laughs> Page here. Wait, the cameraman see. On you go. I just know. Yeah, I just, I just want to say how perfect it is that that's your answer. It's so perfect that that is your answer. <laughs> I love Paige. I'm gutted she retired. I'm really happy that she's the GM. But why, in God's name, did the cameraman not say, cut, let's start again, and don't grimace like Tim Curry from... Tim Curry! What's that film called? Rocky Horror Picture Show? Jesus Christ, Paige. Paige here. I mean, you know, she wanted to challenge her inner Frankenfurter, man. It's been like three seconds before she realizes that she can talk. So she just Look at that picture. Look oh, at it. Oh, <laughs> man. That's funny. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. We, we might tweet that picture out from, from the show accounts just to let you guys see it again. Oh, oh my God. Oh, that's that's, that's so messed up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Kyle. Bring some sense uh, to this. Okay, my what were you thinking moment of the year is a booking decision. And Carl, you were at that show, so I think you'll agree with me. What the fuck was Ring of Honor thinking putting Marty Skrull versus Dalton Castle on after Cody versus Kenny? Absolutely. What the fuck were these people thinking? Cody versus Kenny was on the billboard. It was on the marquee. It was the match that everybody was waiting for. It had this huge backstory feud behind it. Marty Skrull won the number one contendership from Dalton Castle in a throwaway feud with Punishment Martinez. Yeah. And they put, I I understand that you want your world title to be prestigious and blah, blah, blah. But the story that sold Supercard of Honor was Kenny Omega versus Cody Rhodes. How the hell do you put that match on after that? 
Well, if you if you was anybody else, were you there, Kyle, for that or? No, that was when I got hurt. I wasn't able to go. I had a yeah. ticket, but I wasn't able to go. Okay. But I watched the show, and it killed the crowd. The crowd was dead. Yeah. Oh, you think it was dead on TV? That was it. Cody and Kenny sucked the life out of the crowd because it was so good from a crowd response. You know, whatever you think about the match, but the crowd was so into it that when Dalton and Marty came on, and God bless them, because they they actually didn't put on a terrible match. Just the energy. It's like um, it's like Undertaker and Shawn at Mania 25. Followed up by Triple H and Randy Orton right after that. The crowd is just like, no. Like, these guys just did all this. We don't care about this now. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm with you. That's a, that's a really good choice, I think. Well, go ahead. Tell me yours. Uh, so, mine's, it's a little, y'all are, I don't know that y'all will really like this, but I, I, I don't, what were you thinking moment for me is a booking decision, but it's like a succession of booking decisions. It's the AJ Styles Shinsuke Nakamura, Nakamura feud. I really thought they botched the fuck out of that feud. <laughs> like, I mean, and not even just the feud, but some of the endings to the matches. The WrestleMania match was good, right? Go ahead, Kyle. Dusty, you're going to say something. Well, Dusty finishes have become the plague of AJ Styles booking over the last sure. year. Like, sure. all of his feuds going back to him versus Kevin Owens the first yeah. time. Yep. for the U.S. title have just been a series of non-finishes leading to unsatisfying conclusions. Yep. I'd really like the Samoa Joe one, to be fair. That's, that felt natural to me. Yeah, but I'm only going to approve of it if they put them in the cell. Because yep. if Jeff Hardy gets to kill himself in the hell in a cell, but AJ and Joe don't get to be in the cell after Joe's been out on these streets talking about fucking this man's wife. <laughs> oh, Wendy! <laughs> Yeah, Save a bad. plate for daddy. Cool. <laughs> okay, uh, but I, I want to kind of go, if you guys don't remember, they had, I think, six matches. And, five. okay, five. And every, well, the only ones that SmackDown match, it was six, you're right. Right, and if the only ones Nakamura won <laughs> were the ones that weren't for the title. So any other match he won, he lost, right? Every time he fought Styles for the title, we know he never won the championship. They had a double dick kick ending. Hey, Copyright on Rance for Rance Morris. I copyrighted that because I started that. The double dick. Yeah, game. well, that that might have made Joey Ryan happy, but no, I, Joey, Ryan, else Joey Ryan would never lose a match by being kicked in the dick. Famous Joey Ryan would never lose with a dick kick. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but the only good thing that came out of that feud was the Nakamura Hill turn. Period. And this was a feud that everyone, all you, all fucking outsiders that hate WWE, they could not wait. This match is going to blow anything WWE does out of the fucking water. This feud's going to be amazing. A big, giant pile of shit. The whole feud. Trash. And yeah, that's, that's to me, it's what you, what were you thinking because it could have been better. It and really could have. For the record, Nakamura's heel turn being the only thing is a pretty big only. Eh, I mean, right now he's thing. really not doing anything. Well, is that his fault, or is that because the show is the Brian and Miz show? No, it's not his fault, but, I mean, if it, it's such a big deal, you think you'd be trying to figure something out for him. The mid-card That's of SmackDown you know, is, is – like, I love SmackDown, but the mid-card of SmackDown is a mess right now. Yeah, it is. And Chinsgate's about to find a new uh, – about to find a new con- contender since Jeff and Randy are in, on their Fight Forever shit right now. <laughs> no, I mean it's gonna, it won't be forever. It won't be forever. Jeff Hardy limps now. When Jeff Hardy jumps off the top of that hell in the cell, he's point. gonna kill himself. <laughs> if you if you right, if you think Shane was gone for a while, like <laughs> Jeff's about to basically kill himself, and then him and Matt will retire together. So I'm going to say for mine, and uh, kind of I guess in this debauchery, if you will. I'm going to say my what were you thinking moment, and I'm going to speak about the company that, that shall not be named, that I don't speak about, that I don't care about, and that is Total Nonstop Impact Action of the Global Force Wrestling Owl Anthem Group. Sammy Callahan hitting a grown man in the face with a fucking, fucking bat. Oh, yes. Well, I mean, to be fair to Impact, before you continue, you're right, but to be fair, he was never supposed to crush that man's skull. I don't believe that because Sammy Callahan is insane. So he might have really planned on doing that himself. Like, we talked about this in the back, in the back but I'm going to crack this dude in the orbital bone just because I want to make an angle feel real. 
Like, bro, gimmick the bat. You yeah, know? And, and, gimmick and then, the bat for sure. Gimmick the bat for, you, for sure. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm an old school fan just as much as the rest of, of us. So I appreciate taking a real life story and if both all parties are okay with it, turning it into something real. But then you go around and start fighting with podcast hosts and did you see what happened this weekend where he was doing something with some chairs and security stopped him and he thought they were playing along with the show security and they pulled guns on him? This guy is insane, dog. Yeah, that company got like booted from that arena. Our our friends over at Keeping It Strong Style, what's up to Josh and Jeremy? Um, they were at the show and they were telling us afterwards like that company got basically booted from that building forever now. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Sammy's Callahan. Um, so well, yeah, I mean, they, they, might, they might have outdone themselves though with the whole incident with the child uh, last week or the week before. I don't look. I <laughs> heard about it. I haven't seen it, so don't care about impact. But at the time, <laughs> I saw a clip of him hitting a grown man with the bat. Yes, yes. And in, in, in so if you if you were to talk about the more egregious situation, <laughs> man getting kid in the face with bat. Or gangsters running over a ten-year-old child with a car. I think that's the a little worse. The car was gimmicked. It's okay. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, okay. My bad. Then that's better. <laughs> but Honestly, yeah. though, the the real the I when I think about all five of these moments that we just brought up, it's Paige here. That's what it is. It really is. <laughs> Paige doing her best Frankenfurter. Oh man. We love you, Paige. I hope we I hope do you love guys, you, Paige. Like, I hope you guys listening have, have enjoyed this shit as much as I have, as much as we have. But we're not done. We're gonna take a quick break, pay some bills that none of us have to pay, and we're gonna come back with the wonderful Brian Clive Kinsella. Ricky and Clive coming up next. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, we'll give you all our shoutouts at the end and stuff on Ricky and Clive. Well, do you want to do that now? No. That this is two separate shows. <laughs> I've got I've got a joke for you. Oh, please, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah end it on a joke. End it on a joke. Yeah, that'd be Pay great. Pay attention, Ricky. Okay, before, before before the joke real quick, before the joke, at, at Dr. S'mores, at Ricky Inc. Live, at Outsider Curvin, at It's Ray Cash, at Outsider's Edge SS, at Social Suplex. Do you think? So, my God, see, now that I'm about to say this out loud, it's awful. Um <laughs> Mark Calloway, reports have come out what he's going to be doing once he's officially retired from WWE. He's going to, his next job will be like sort of processing the online applications for a popular online dating site. <laughs> and his role will be the Tinder taker. Bye, man. Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs>